Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence among us and for your Holy Spirit who is here manifesting himself in and through each and every one of our lives. Father, we believe that he is our teacher and guide tonight and he will instruct us and enlighten us, informing us of the things that you want us to know and learn. And Father, we believe for ears to hear accurately, hearts to receive, minds that are open. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. Conform us to the image of Jesus that we might become that for which he gave his life for. That we might, dear Father, hold forth the word of life to this, our generation, and touch the hearts and lives of people everywhere we go with the life-changing truth of the gospel. Be glorified, Father, in all that's said and done tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God and amen. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about prayer. Probably start a series on prayer. If that's okay with you. If not, we're still going to start a series on prayer. Just to let you know. (laughs) Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 17. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Did you notice I have a lot of favorite verses in all the Bible? And it's the the favorite one tonight tonight because that's the one I'm pointing out. So it's a favorite verse. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. Which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And as you go on reading the story of this man who was taken to palsy. What you discover is this. Only one man got healed, even though the power of the Lord was present to heal all of them. Only one person got healed, and that person demonstrated faith. So that it teaches us that even though God's power can be manifested, it can be present in a profound and glorious way, it's not going to accomplish a whole lot just by being present. It takes people to draw from it or to activate it with faith in order for it to accomplish the purposes of the Father's will upon the earth. And so when we learn to pray effectively, what we do is we join forces together with God. And as we do by faith, we release his miracle power into our lives. Or if it's intercessory prayer, praying on the behalf of others, we can direct that power of God into those people's lives so that God's purposes can be accomplished. You can read that whole story for yourself and you found out that that's actually true. It's very true. That it's only the one that touched him in faith, with faith, as he was born of four and he came and he was let down from the ceiling tile and you know the story. That person got healed and it was because of faith. The power is always there. So we can have a strong anointing of God. We can have a power of God manifested in a powerful way right here among us. And I'll tell you what, it's exciting to have the power of God in manifestation. But if we want results, we've got to tap into it by faith and draw from that power. So that by the power of the Spirit and through faith, we accomplish God's purposes in our lives and also through our lives. Quickly before we look at our, our notes there. Um, many of you know the, the uh, minister Norval Hayes. If you do, raise your hand. Most of you do. Some of you don't. Businessman but minister of the gospel and tremendous ministry of faith many miracles signs and wonders and demonstrations that God has used him in but a little bit of the story of his life when he was 10 years old his mother died I believe it was of cancer at the age of 37 and he was told as a young boy that the reason why she died was because you know it was God's will for her to die And then later in life, his brother also died. He got to a place to where, of course, he was told the same thing, that he died because it was God's will. And there's nothing you can do about that. Well, when he got a little bit older yet and got saved and started studying the word of God for himself and learning some things, he went and approached God. Got on his face before God. He says for three days he just fasted and prayed and waited on God because he wanted to know some things. Was it true that his mother died because God wanted her to die? Was it true that his brother died because God wanted him to die? 
And so on the third day he said, the Lord spoke to him and just said, it was not me who killed your mother. It was not me who took your mother's life. Well, then why did she die? And this was the response. God spoke to him and said, the reason why she died, she went to a church where she was never taught about my healing power. She was never taught that it was my will that my people be healed and whole and live out their lives. She had lack of knowledge. She did not know the word of God. She did not know how to appropriate faith and the power of God. And because of this, she died. And he said, it is so important that my people realize how much I love them and realize about the provision that I had made for them. And that when Jesus died on Calvary, he died for the sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish, everything that the devil has brought into this world through sin, through Adam's sin and transgression. But it is absolutely essential and imperative that they learn how to tap into my power by faith if they want to activate my healing virtues so that people can be delivered and set free. And I want you, he wanted him to teach God's people how to receive healing, how to activate the power of God. And so his was a ministry where it's just like God calling people that are not necessarily coming out of seminary without that kind of a education. And you think about it, why wouldn't God be calling all these other people that have devoted themselves and their lives to going into seminaries and, and learning you know, through theology and all that? Why does he call someone like me from a mill crane who doesn't know, I guess I, guess I don't know it any better. What do I know? I start reading the Bible, I believe it. No Strong's Concordance. No internet to look on to find out answers to questions. Oh, you said the, by your stripes and middle, oh, I, I believe it. You said it right there, I believe it. And he, he raised up people during that time that would just take him at his word. Just take him at his word and believe it. I remember reading in the book, uh, Like a Mighty Wind. Mal wrote that book, wrote that book, Like a Mighty Wind. If you have that, it's a blessing. If you don't get it, you need to really read it. About the revival, Indonesian revival that took place in the 70s. What a tremendous, tremendous move of God. Every miracle you ever saw in the, in the Bible took place, including the raising of the dead, including walking on water and, and during a storm or during, let's say, the rainy season when the, the rivers were flooded and just walking out on the water, just like they did, including multiplying things. It's just amazing miracles, fire coming out of heaven, burning up idols and that sort of thing. It's amazing what God can do for people that just take him at his word. And what God will do for people that just believe it. And I remember reading after the brother when he said, we're not like the people in America. People in America, they got to get out their Strong's Concordance. They got to look over the Greek and the Hebrew. And they got to look up all these different words and say, does it really mean that? Does it really mean this? Does it mean that? And all that. They just said, we just open up our Bible. And if he says, ask and I'll give, he says, I believe it. If he says, use my name, I believe it. They didn't know they weren't supposed to. They didn't know they had to go to some seminary to determine whether or not God would honor his word. He said, we just believed it. When he said, go walk on that water across the river to the other side and preach to those people. Do you know what? When they stepped out and walked on the water and walked over to the other side, when the people on the other side, the, the villagers said, you're going to drown if you do. They walked to the other side. They didn't have to preach. It was 30 feet deep and rapidly moving. And they just walked across the other side on the water that only went up to their ankles. And when someone else jumped in to see, oh, it, mustn't be, it must be shallow, went straight down. You know, they didn't have to preach a whole lot. Can you see that? And then when the fire came down out of heaven and burned up all the idols, they didn't have to preach a whole lot. I love this one. This is called the spiritual umbrella in the monsoon season when they were told to go to a certain village they would walk out of their huts and as they began to walk to the village in the monsoon with the rain coming down like a blanket everywhere they stepped was dry 
And when they got to where the village was, they, they looked out and, and saw, you're not wet. They were dry. Everybody else was wet. But these workers were dry. They didn't have to preach a whole lot. Signs and wonders and demonstrations of God, mighty power and glory are convincing. When they saw they should have fallen over dead because of the poison that they put inside their drink or their food, they didn't have to preach a whole lot. When they were swimming across a river and four crocodiles or alligators were coming to kill them, and they just said, in the name of Jesus, be gone, and they turned around and went the other way. Those viewing on the other side, you didn't have to preach a whole lot. They just believed. Beloved, it takes faith to activate the power of God. You could have all kind of religion, all kind of even presence of God, but it takes faith to activate it, to direct it. And that's why it's so important that we understand this truth. Faith makes prayer work. Prayer does not make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. And to have faith in the power of prayer, we have to go to the word and find out what it says. And then act accordingly. Because if we don't, then what are we doing? I don't want to play church or play religion because you know what? Too many people's lives are at stake. I, I was just also sharing with Brother Chuck and I, I was reading about Brother Nova Hayes. By the way, I think he's like in his 86 or 87 somewhere in, in that you know, age group. Um, but his daughter, 63, Zona, died. And she's the one that, I would tell you about the one that saw the angel. She was in rebellion against God. She got saved after seeing an angel. And, and listen, she only saw the angel because here's what happened. Brother Norval, just a tremendous man of faith. I mean, he considered a crazy preacher. One of those that crazy wildfire preachers, just crazy. You know, that's how he was. Just believe God. Just rolled up his sleeves and believe God. And when his daughter got off and got involved in drugs and alcohol, and the, he, he was only living with his daughter, the two of them, that was it. And she would come home, and at first he was just, just blown away by this because she was such a you know, faithful person before all this, but she got a, caught up in drugs and alcohol and sex and everything else, the whole bit. And she would come home at night, late at night, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, and oh, he would just lay into her, basically telling her, you're gonna destroy my ministry you're my daughter, what are you doing, you know the Lord, what's the matter with you, etc., etc., etc. And so finally he just got fed up with it. He got to a place where he finally just said, Lord, I don't understand this. I'm going to seek your face. I don't understand this. So he set out to seek the face of God. What's God tell him? Why don't you practice what you preach? How would you like the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to tell you that? Why don't you start practicing what you preach? And he said, Lord, whoa, really? That's a low blow. You're hitting me with this now. Listen to you yourself speak, the Lord said, when your daughter walks in the door. What's the matter with you? What are you doing? Out drinking and doing this and doing that. You're going to destroy my ministry. What's the matter with you? He said, you call that faith? You call that faith? You expect divine intervention with you talking like that about her? He said, I saw it like a flash. I saw it. Next time, next day she came home, two, three o'clock in the morning, the same way, plastered and, and all that. Zona, Jesus loves you. She'd go into her bedroom, he'd be on his knees next to his bed saying, thank you, Lord, for Zona. She's a wonderful daughter. I see her saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and serving you faithfully. Thank you for your power manifested in her life. I just thank you. She's such a wonderful girl, wonderful daughter, wonderful child of God. They would sit down to eat breakfast. Thank you for Zona. You talk about a prayer for breakfast or for lunch or for supper. And he would just say the same thing. Oh, I see her serving you, walking with you. I see her reading her Bible, studying the word. I see her doing this. I see, never haul that or ever again. Never just complain, never again. 
never murmured ever again kept on speaking the word and saying the word over her life even though none of it was true in the natural how many know there's natural truth and there's supernatural truth amen there's a higher truth and there's a lower truth all that was true in the natural but the focus was now no longer on the natural but it was focused on the supernatural or the spiritual and all he was doing was targeting the supernatural and the spiritual and this went on and this went on and this went on and he did not give up he did not faint he did not lose heart he kept on saying it and saying it and saying it and every time she'd walk in that door no matter what her condition was thank you Jesus thank you for her life I see her delivered set free I see her serving you in Bible school I see her in the church studying the word etc and he just went on and on and on and on and on without stopping one day she came home in that condition he's back in the room praying and all of a sudden as she laid down to go to sleep in her bed she looked up and she saw this huge angel standing at the foot of her bed looking her in the eyes got her attention got her life turned around and she gave her heart back to Jesus she went off to school I think she went to Rhema if I'm not mistaken she might have gone there but she went to Bible school and she got her life turned around start preaching and teaching and, and as a matter of fact if you go online and see about her ministry just had a wonderfully productive fruitful ministry in pastoring and teaching in the Bible school and all that and you know what this girl's life was targeted 13 times the devil had tried to take her out with, with lupus liver disease I mean the thing went on and on and on and on my brother and my sister we are in a fight fight the good fight of faith the devil hates us doesn't like us is not interested in having tea with us he has one thought process kill steal and destroy take him out do whatever you need to do he could whatever he could possibly do and Jesus made that very clear Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly but he came to destroy human life he doesn't have one ounce of respect for any of us he doesn't have one ounce of compassion for any of us he's not concerned about anything other than killing stealing and destroying now greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world but to activate the greater power of God to activate that miracle working power is so important to remember this it's by faith and that's why this ministry has been so dedicated to preaching and teaching faith personal faith now imagine this he had to bury his daughter and he says that's not deterring my faith what not one iota and he is still pro I recently heard him on on um, it's supernatural 86 years old talking about I think he had a visitation of heaven and still preaching and still teaching the same principles because it doesn't matter as far as circumstances are concerned what matters is the truth never changes no matter what this word is eternal heaven and earth will pass away and this word will always be the same we can't base our convictions on who made it and who didn't make it we can never do that none of us can do that you know what it's up to every person as a matter of fact that's another thing that Jesus told him he says I'm no respecter of persons anyone that will come with an understanding of my name the power of redemption knowing their authority and what they have he will honor the prayer of any individual person or the faith of any individual person but it's up to each and every one to do their part and take their place it's up to them to study the word for themselves and get it inside get rooted and grounded in the word of God and not depend on somebody else to do it that's her father who's been used of God mightily but he could not do anything at that time about the situation but thank God she's in heaven we always win I said we always win don't we always win praise God thank you Jesus we always win so as I begin this series I just want us all to know how important it is in my opinion the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith that means if the just live by faith then we need to learn everything we can as to how to operate in the faith of God so that God's purposes 
and will can be fulfilled in all of our lives. So we can achieve success no matter what the enemy brings our way. We've got to be headstrong about it. Bulldog tenacity is necessary. And praise God, Jesus said the violent, they take it how? By force. And that's the force of faith that works by love. Amen. And God loves every single one of us. And he wants us all to succeed. So in our notes there, look at Ephesians 6.18. When it comes to prayer, we have to understand there are different kinds of prayers. As a matter of fact, this is the conclusion of the armor, the Christian armor that we're to have on daily. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Notice with all prayer. So that means there's more than one kind of praying. And watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So there's many different kinds of prayer. So when it comes to prayer, there can be the prayer of petition. There can be the prayer of consecration and dedication. There can be the prayer of agreement. There can be the prayer of um, uh, intercession, intercessory prayer. And the list goes on. There can be united prayer, the prayer of worship and the prayer of praise. So there's different kinds of prayer and there's a reason why we have to understand the different kinds of prayers. Why are there different kinds of prayers? Obviously there's different rules that pertain to each and every different kind of prayer or praying. Just like in sports you've got different kinds of rules. You don't play hockey with football rules. Right? You just can't do that. You can't play baseball with hockey rules. That'd be kind of crazy. So we understand that. But why can't we understand that sometimes that when it comes to praying, there are certain rules that we have to follow, certain guidelines that we have to accept. When we talk about faith, for example, sometimes I wish it'd be nice if certain words were left out. Like when James says, pray in faith without wavering. Why? Why can't I pray in faith and waver a little bit and still get my, my results? Or it takes faith and patience to inherit the promise. Because you know what? We could be kings and queens at faith and impatience. Couldn't we? Sure. Absolutely. But you see, we've got to realize God's the one that makes the rules for a reason. But thank God we can learn and understand and apply them in a way that he wants us to and we can succeed. So the first one we're going to talk about is petition, the prayer petition. Asking God to do something for us. The prayer of petition. Asking him. For ourselves. Some need that we want him to meet for us. And certain things. I, I call them like building blocks. Or foundational blocks. Of understanding that will help us better understand. How to apply. This prayer in our lives. And the first one is for us to understand. The father's attitude when it comes to prayer. It is so important. We understand the father's attitude. Look in Matthew's gospel, chapter 7, and verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? What's he doing in this verse of scripture? Jesus is revealing to us the heart of our heavenly Father. And when he's talking about praying to our Father, he's talking about asking him to do something. And so he compares it to a natural father, one who loves his children, who cares for his children, who is not an infidel, who provides for his children. And in context in which this is written, he's talking about a child asking a father for some food to eat when he's starving. So if you will provide a sandwich for your son or your daughter who is hungry, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to his children who ask him? So what he's saying is, his father heart is much bigger than ours in the natural world that we live in. And just as soon as we would care for our own, so he will care for his own and loves them and provides for them and meets their every need. This is his attitude with regard to prayer and our praying. So can you imagine how it must affect the heart of God when he wants to do so much for his children but basically his hands are tied because of the interference of devils and demons and doubt and unbelief and all the things that are in this atmospheric heavens that we live under that makes it difficult for people that are down here to truly see that kind of a heart that the father has 
And so it's difficult. And so we look at that and maybe we don't really see the depth of it. You know what? I know my heart. I know what I do for my children. I will do anything for my children. And I would believe that most parents are the same way. You've got your few exceptions. I understand that. They're only concerned about themselves and whatever their addiction might be. But for the most part, we see that there are fathers that care for and mothers that care for their children above themselves. And to be honest with you, almost to a fault in the day in which we live right now. You know, sometimes you hear parents complaining about things, but really they, 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 they basically bred that in their own lives. Guarantee you, you keep paying your child's car insurance, they'll keep on letting you. And when they're 30 and they're, you're still paying for it, and they go to turn 31 and you keep doing it, they'll still let you. Guarantee it. We live in a society right now, a generation where parents do so much for their children, it's almost incomprehensible. But it seems like that's the way it is. But what about a heavenly father who says to us, it's my pleasure to give you all the kingdom. All the kingdom belongs to you. It's yours. It's yours. He's not selfish whatsoever. So we have to understand the attitude of the father. And then secondly, it's important to understand that when we ask him for something, it's concerning our desires. Look at Mark 11 and 24. It's concerning our desires. We have to desire this. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you, what? Desire. Notice the word desire is a strong word. It's not something you can live with or without. You desire this. You want this badly. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you should have them. But I want to focus on this. It's a desire that I have. It's not something that uh, I'd I like to get it, but if I don't, it's okay. Because you see, you won't have the, the spiritual fortitude that you need to grab a hold of it and grab onto it, latch onto it, and bring it into manifestation. Because you, when you see maybe it's delayed for some reason, like Daniel's request was delayed for 21 days because of this interfering spirit, you'll let go of it and just completely abort the whole project because it doesn't really matter to you a whole lot if you want it. But Jesus is saying, let it be a desire of your heart. You want it so badly, you can taste it. Whatever that might be. Amen? And then next, it's important to understand the asking has got to be according to the will of God. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it's according to his will. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we want to be confident, then this is the confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired, notice that word desire, of him. Notice how strong this terminology is. Confident. Why am I confident? I know his attitude. He'll give it to me like I'll give my son a a sandwich when he's hungry. He'll give it to me. I desire this thing. I long for it. I want it. And you know what? It'll help you really focus on what your desires really are. Our desire should be to know him so well. Our desire should be to know what his purpose is for my life. If we put those things up above the the things that we need daily. Remember Jesus said, don't be concerned about your life, what you're going to eat, drink, what you're going to wear. Your father knows you need all those things. You need all those things. Seek the kingdom first and those things will be added to you. Let your desire rise up above some of these lower things that he considers to be lower. And shoot for the higher. I want to know you like Paul said. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with your, in your power. I want to demonstrate, praise God, by faith who you are to this generation. You're confident because you know you're hooking up and lining up what he truly wants you to have. And then also it's important to know that it's going to be a prayer of faith that we're praying. Look in the book of James. It's a prayer of faith that we're praying. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, or he doesn't find fault with your asking. And it shall be what? Given him. But let him ask with a little bit of doubt, a little bit of unbelief, more, but more faith. No, let him ask how in faith? A little bit of wavering? No, nothing wavering. 
You want to say ouch about right there, don't you? How much wavering? Mm. Nothing wavering. Why? Because he that wavers, he's like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive, not God give, he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It's the instability of the double-mindedness that prevents us from receiving from the Lord. Not the Lord from forgiving, you know, forgiving it to us, but our receiving it. So we understand that this, this prayer petition abides by certain laws. It's governed by certain laws. And we have to know the Father's heart. We have to desire what we want. We have to pray within the framework of his will. And we have to do it in faith without wavering whatsoever. So in other words, for us to get to that place of confidence and assurance to pray this prayer petition effectively, what do we have to do? Prepare ourselves. And when I used to hear years ago, some of the faith teachers say that, like Wigglesworth said, if you wait till you need faith to get faith, you waited too long. You've got to prepare yourself in advance for it. You've got to live ready, in other words. You've got to expect that in the world you're going to have tribulations and trials and challenges and difficulties that you're going to face in this life. And you need to get into the word. And, and you need to prepare yourself. So we're going to talk about some steps that we can take to prepare ourselves to better pray the prayer of petition, which is a prayer of faith, so that we can line up with the rules, do it God's way, and receive more of what he has for us. Number one, number one, we're supposed to be decisive. Decide what we want from God. Decide what we want from God or what do we want God to do? We have to be decisive. If you recall what Mark's gospel chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, he finally gets a, an audience with Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, what wilt that I should do unto thee? Why would Jesus ask a blind man, a beggar, what do you want me to do for you? Well, the answer is very simple. You can see it all the time. He may have wanted uh, some finances. I need some money. I don't have any money. I have to beg for money. Can you help me out? You know, have you got a quarter in your pocket? He could have asked him for anything. Just because he was blind doesn't mean that's what he wanted. He was, he was seeing to it that he was specific. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. That's being specific. I want to receive my sight. Well, did he receive his sight? He did, didn't he? Amen, because he was specific. So first of all, we need to be specific. If we're general when it comes to prayer, like what are you praying about? What are you praying for? If you're general in praying for things, it's like going into a grocery store. Can you imagine this? Hey, honey, would you go to the store and pick me up a few things? Sure, I'd be glad to. I'll call you when I get there. I get to the store, you start walking in the store with your shopping cart. You're pushing it around the store. What do you want, honey? Groceries. Okay, what do you want, honey? Groceries. Give me some groceries. With that, I'm not going home. Because what I put in that buggy, she's not going to like. Mm -mm. She's not going to like what I put in that buggy. It's only when she's specific and tells me, I want a loaf of bread. I want this kind of that. That kind of this. And it's specific, I want some lettuce, buy some tomatoes, buy some fruit, especially apples, oranges. Okay, I'm being, she's being specific with me. If I go home and don't bring the right thing, now first of all, just don't go home. Okay, you're in trouble. I tell you what, thank God for cell phones. If anything, it bails you out in the grocery store. I remember the days when you can get in the grocery store, you'd have to either ask to use their phone, and they look at you like, really? Well, come on, she, to she told me to get more than three things, and I'm limits, my limit's three. I forgot the other five. You get my point? Lord, help us. Okay? We need your help. Okay? The government's falling apart. 
okay, what do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? That I might receive my sight. That you would touch the hearts of our leaders, touch their hearts with your power, turn their hearts to establish your will, manifest your glory, be specific about what you want. I need healing, I need financial help, I need strength to get through this situation. I need direction. So find out, first of all, the first thing is decide what you really want from God before you do the second step. And the second step is find scriptures that promise you the answer. Find the scriptures that promise you the answer. In the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, find scriptures that promise you the answer. If we don't go to the throne of God with scripture, then we're basically going in, what, on our own? If we don't have the word to uphold before him and present to him, then we're not doing it his way. But notice this, because we have a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with what? A true heart in full assurance of faith. Notice that, full means Full means what? Full. It's filled. My heart is filled with faith. How do I do that? How do I evict all the doubt, the unbelief, all the uh, uncertainty? How do I get rid of all that? I got to find the scriptures that promise the answer. Having my heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, my body washed with the pure water of the word, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering like James said let us hold fast that profession without wavering why because faithful is he that promised he is faithful that promised so in other words it's all based on what something God promised I need to know what the word says find the scriptures that promise the answer so if I'm looking for direction you get Proverbs 3 5 and 6 and let him know what he said you said you would direct my path you said you would guide me with your eye. And so on and so forth. You said the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so therefore I'm coming to you with scripture in full assurance of faith. This is your will for my life. And so I'm asking based on scripture. Notice in, in your notes there, Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man to lie nor the son of man to repent. If God said it, he will do it if he's spoken he will make it good or shall he not make it good notice how it's posed God's not a man that he should lie unto the son of man that he should repent hath he said and shall he not do it hath he spoken and shall he not make it good if I don't know what he said if I don't know what he spoke I'm not going with assurance I'm not going to the throne assured that what I'm presenting to him is something that he has promised me or a statement of fact that he has made that says something belongs to me so for me to go to his throne, I've got to go, not empty-handed, but with a heart full of faith, full of the promise, full of the word, because that's what he's watching over to perform. God watches his word to make it good, to perform it in our lives. Not what I want, but what he wills. And then, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we repeat, but look at it once again. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if I find in the scriptures a promise he made or a statement of fact that something belongs to me and I ask him to make good on the promise or the fact, I know that's his will so I know he'll hear me. And here's the point. If we know he hears us whatever we ask, we know that we have it. We know that we have it. We know that we have the petition we desired of him. One time I asked Brother Chuck to do something for me. And then I think it was a little bit later, I said, oh, by the way, that, that thing, did you, did you do that? He said, did you ask? I said, oh, I forgot who I was asking. If you ask him, and you know, he, he's wonderful as far as doing that, but I think he would agree with me that God's even better at doing that, right? Right? Did you ask? If you ask, then it's done. So if you asked, according to his will, he heard you. If you know he heard you, you know you have it. I know I have it. I know I have it. I know I have the petition I asked of him. So I have to find scriptures that promise me the answer. Whatever I desire. 
And then also look at uh, this next point, John 15, 7. Faith only comes by hearing the word of God. I need to know whether he spoke it by his spirit or has it written in in the Bible. But notice this point. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, they have to live in you. They have to become one with you. They have to be a part of you. You shall ask what you will. Wow. And it shall be done unto you. What who wills? Because when you know his word and you know his will, when you ask, you will ask according to his will. Because you will know everything he's promised in you, you know, in, in the word for you, belongs to you. And so there's your confidence. This is what your will is for my life. I'm asking you to make it good. Well, why do we have to ask if God knows that we have need of whatever we have need of? Because he said to. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, the Father knows you have need of all these things. But ask, ask, ask. Well, you know what? I know my son needs food. But I don't get up and get Andrew food until he says, Dad, would you get me this? When he asks, I'll do it. He's getting a little bit old enough to get it for himself, but. Or Dad, would you go to the store and buy me something like this? Okay, I'll do it. But ask if that's what you want. And the father is way beyond human fathers, right? So just ask and it will be done. Now, thirdly, I found the scripture that promised the answer. Now I have to ask. Look at Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask for what we desire is the third step. Ask and it shall be given you. Ladies, I'm not picking on you tonight, but if you want your husband to know something or do something, ask him. Don't wait for him to be a mind reader. Don't wait for him to do it because you want him to do it on his own. We don't do that. Mm -mm. We prefer, just tell us, You want something done around the house? Just ask. You see my point? I understand that women would like to have us just to do it because we do it out of the goodness of our heart. And we'll try our best. But for the most part, just communicate. Same thing he's saying here. Ask. It'll be given you. Seek. And you shall find. Knock. And it shall be open to you. For everyone that asks, everyone that asks, receives He that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, the door will be open. Notice how positive Jesus is. How direct he is. How confident he is. There wasn't an and, if, or a but about that whole scenario. Just ask for what you desire. Because you see now you know he's already provided for you. It's a promise that he's made to you. So you go there with confidence to the throne of God and you ask him for what you desire. You desire healing, ask for healing. You desire strength, ask for strength. You desire wisdom, ask for wisdom. Look in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have. Cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not. Because you ask not. Why don't you have it? Because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your lust. So now he's talking about expanding this a little bit further. He says you, you, have, because, you have not because you ask not, number one. But if you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, in other words, with improper motives. With what? Consuming it upon your lust? What's he talking about? Just concerned about yourself. In other words, there's no love in that. But you have to ask if you want God to answer and manifest whatever it is you're looking for. So it's important that we recognize these steps. Each one of these steps are absolutely essential to being prepared to receive what we want from God. And so rather than, let's say, coming to an altar, having someone pray for you, and even going to the throne of God, just saying, God, do something for me, go there formally. Go there with a scripture verse. Go there with a revelation of his will. Father, this is what you said, so this is what you want me to have. And you, whatever you speak, you perform. You do what you say. 
because you're a God that can't lie. You're a God of integrity. He loves that. How many times did my children say to me, Daddy, you said, Andrew has a mind like a still trap. You said you would take me to do this, and here's the day. Yeah, I know, but, but, but in my thinking, I thought he might forget by then. But he didn't. Anyhow, next. And this is so huge. It's so huge. Believe you have received. Believe we receive what we ask for when we pray. Not when it materializes. Not when it happens. Not when we can see it, hear it, feel it, taste it, smell it. No. Believe you receive what you ask for when you pray. When you pray. Okay. So, in Mark 11, 24. World English Bible Translation says we'll get it up there for you in a minute World English Translation Mark eleven twenty four. 24 now in the King James whatever you desire when you pray believe you receive them and you shall have them in the Amplified whatever you desire when you pray believe or go on believing that you have received them and you shall have them and in this translation, therefore I tell you all things, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them. And that's the more literal translation. Believe that you have received them, okay? And you shall have them. Notice the language. We've got to first believe we have received them in order to have them. Jesus said, what things forever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. This more defines what he meant. When you ask God the Father for a sandwich, you're to believe you've received that sandwich as if it's in your hand even though you can't see it. And go on saying, thank you for the sandwich, thank you for the sandwich, thank you for the sandwich, even though you can't see it, smell it, taste it, hear it. You might feel it if it's in your hand, but you get the point. The five senses have nothing to do with it. To consult our five senses to determine whether or not God answered our prayer is an insult to him. I should know he answered my prayer because I asked him and I, I believe in his integrity and that his love for me supersedes my love for my children. And so I asked him for it so I believe I have received it. Now, our faith is based not on sense evidences, but the higher evidence of God's word. It's not based on the natural truth. It's based on the supernatural truth or the spiritual truth. I don't see it with my physical eye, but by faith I become a good actor. Wigglesworth said it this way, faith is an act. An act. You gotta be a good actor. You gotta act like you have it, even though all the sense evidences contradict it. I believe I have received it. I believe I have it now. Oh, I want to thank you, Lord. I want to bless you. I magnify you. If you got a call on the phone one day and said, you've been left $10 million by a rich uncle that died in California, and it's yours. Would you act like, oh, honey, we have to pay a few bills. I'm pretty thrilled about this. You know, we've got a little inheritance here that's come. Come on. I think you'd be jumping out of your skin right now. $10 million? Even though it's not in your hand. Even though you cannot see it. You heard a statement declaring that it's yours. It literally belongs to you. You haven't felt it. Mm-mm. -mm. What's $10 million feel like? But you're telling people, I've got it. I have it. I have it without seeing it. Why can't we trust God the same way? A phone call. But someone you have to believe in. Why not believe in God? We trust Him more than our banking institution. We should anyhow. More than the records that we see. You see, he says, if you ask me, consider it done. And act like it's done. 
So in other words, if I actually believed I received my healing and I was acting like it's done, I'd be shouting from the mountaintops. Hallelujah, thank you, thank you. It's finally done, it's, I'm satisfied, I know I've got it, I know I've got it, I know I've got it. You see, we can't just try to make people walk through the motions of that because then it's, they're doing something that you said to do. You've gotta have a revelation of it. I've asked you to heal me, I believe I've received my healing and I know I have it, I know I have it because of the integrity of your word because I know your word says it will not return back to you void so you're a man of, or God of integrity, not a man that you should lie and I know that I have it, I know that I have it, oh thank you, thank you. You'd be so caught up with excitement and enthusiasm because you know you have received from the Lord what it is that you asked. So by believing we receive, we plant, ready for this, the incorruptible seed of his word into your heart. I want you to get that. I want to get it myself. When I believe I receive, when I start believing I received it, I asked you for this, I believe I received it Father, you plant the incorruptible seed of his word in the soil of your heart, the good soil of your heart. Why is that important to know? Because you're going to water that seed. You're going to protect that seed until it bears fruit, the fruit of what you've asked for. We receive it in seed form and then it matures. It develops, it grows into a plant and produces a fruit. So let's not forget that because the next step is vital. The next step is to resist doubt. To resist doubt. We have to resist doubt because once that seed's planted in our hearts, the enemy is going to come along and do what? Try to uproot it. Once we receive the seed into our hearts, he's going to try to uproot that seed to get it out of there before it bears fruit. But what we're going to do is resist the thoughts and imaginations. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5. Let's read them. We're going to resist them. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so all of a sudden the seed's planted. I believe I receive it and I've got it. I thank you that I have it. And all of a sudden all the thoughts start coming. You really think you got that? You really think that God heard you? Stop right there and recognize the fact that that is the devil's job. It's his profession. It's what he lives for. He wouldn't be a decent devil if he didn't come along and try to uproot our faith. And so he comes along and says, feel and see. Don't, don't fall victim to that. Look and see. Don't fall victim to that. Any thought and imagination that would paint a picture of defeat is to be cast down, evicted from our lives. No, I'm not entertaining your thoughts of unbelief or doubt. The seed's been planted. It's in my heart. I'm resisting every thought and imagination. Every picture you want to paint of me being a failure and not succeeding and not having the victory, I cast down in Jesus' mighty name and refuse to entertain them. Next step, so important as well. Praise God continually for the answer. Why every seed needs water. It's in good soil, but it needs water, does it not? Every seed needs to be protected. We do that by resisting doubt. Every seed needs water. We do that by praising God. Praise you for the answer. I bless you for the answer. I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that I'm free. I thank you that I'm strong in you and the power of your might. If you need strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you need strength, let the weak say, I am strong. You are the strength of my life. I can do all things with Christ who is my strength. So your focus is praising God for the answer. You're praising God for the answer that you have, even though it's not materialized yet, because you've received it in its spiritual form, invisible form. And it will manifest in the physical form as we water the seed of God's word that is lodged within our hearts, that's planted within our souls, and we continue praising him for the answer. I praise you for my victory. I praise you for my deliverance. Hallelujah. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Very important instructional teaching. Don't let worry dominate your thinking. But in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And he goes on to say, And the peace of God shall garrison about your hearts and minds with Jesus Christ our Lord. And think on things that are good, true, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praise, praiseworthy. Think on these things. So he's talking about as we praise him and thank him for the answer continually. 
It sets up a wall of protection that protects us from what? Doubt, unbelief, the lies of Satan, and all that. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough and all that. No, 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 no. Too late for that. We don't want to let anxiety or worry do what? Uproot the word. And then also, finally, we'll conclude. Continue meditating on the promises of God. Remember Joshua 1.8? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. That lines up with Proverbs 4, 20 through 23 that say, those verses say, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my saying, don't let them part from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, they are life to those that find them, health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So in other words, we continue meditating and feeding our spirit on the word of God because what it does, it just continues its operation as we meditate the word. It enables us to be a doer of the word. I had a little testimony written there that along this line that will be helpful to us. This woman, uh, 82 years old, Seven cancers she was operated on. They found seven cancers, tum- cancerous tumors in her body. Sewed her back up and said that she was going to die. Very short time to live. Uh, the man of God went and ministered to her and said to her, well, if you want to die, she, she said, I'm an evangelist. I've served God all my life. I've won many so- souls to Christ. If you want to die, then go ahead and die. But don't die this way. Let God heal you first, then die and go to heaven. And he left. Well, what she did was took that to heart. He gave her that verse, those verses of scripture. And she started meditating those verses of scripture. My words are life to you and hell to all your flesh. Eight months later, he saw her. Well, she saw him walking on the sidewalk. And she ran up to him and just threw, threw her arms around him and hugged him. Remember me? And he said, well, I know you don't remember because I was huge. She was swollen up with cancer. That's how bad she was. And now she's thin. I'm the one that you said let God heal you before you, then go to heaven. Oh, I remember, yeah. Well, I got to thinking what you said. I started meditating the word. And I said, he's right. I don't want to die like this. So she said, I'll let God heal me. And she's been evangelizing until she was 91 years old and won more people to Christ. How about that? Won more people to Christ in those last nine years amazing we're so quick to give up because of our feelings and emotions you know but God wants us to start realizing he's bigger than our feelings and emotions we have to start believing it can you say amen Amen. let's all stand together before the Lord those are the principles seven principles that will help us understand how to pray the prayer petition effectively and learn to receive from God we're going to pick it up from there and talk about different types of prayer hi Pastor Bill here I want to thank you for joining us today On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord 
Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.